0: Following the fall of communism in Poland, the Polish Beer Lovers Party was formed in 1990 and actually won 16 seats in the 1991 election. Unfortunately, the Polish Beer Lovers Party soon divided, forming, and I'm not joking, the Big Beer and Little Beer factions. But Poland doesn't have a monopoly on strange political parties. According to the BBC, a candidate for the Bus Pass Elvis Party finished second in a local council race in 2014. Describing how the party got its name, David Lawrence Bishop said, if Elvis was still alive, he would be on his bus pass. And most of the original fans are pensioners. So I thought it was a good name.
1: (laughs) Ken, I I have a little question. I mean, this is two weeks we've started with a teaser with Elvis. Is there anything you need to tell our uh, listeners today? I like Elvis. You like Elvis? Okay. I, I mean, like Elvis. Hip-swinging cool. Elvis, Elvis bus pass. I mean, that's...
0: But this guy came in second. I can't believe the Elvis bus pass party came in second.
1: Right. And I think probably his main problem was
0: that he didn't believe Elvis is still alive. <laughs> you no, know, I'm thinking, Mike, he might have had some other problems.
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. But, you know, the thing I find interesting about this is, isn't it interesting how we have the need to form groups... All throughout history, people have grouped together political parties, volunteer organizations, denominations. And Ken, did you know that in Jesus' day,
0: there was even religious parties? Religious parties. Honestly, that sounds like an oxymoron. But Mike, you're right. During the time of Jesus, you did have two basic parties, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Both of them were Jewish but with different understandings of theology, and especially how to relate to the Roman government. And, and Ken, together
1: they formed what we call the Sanhedrin, or what was called the Sanhedrin, or the mm-hmm. Jew-
0: Jewish Ruling Council. Mm-hmm, don't say right. that three times fast. No, don't try to. <laughs> got another word coming up next week. Yep. <laughs> but in today's story, we are going to meet one of their leaders a guy
1: named Nicodemus. Ah, Nicodemus. He's the night owl, right? He likes to stay up late. He comes to see Jesus late at night with a very important question, and I don't think he gets the
0: answer he expects. He doesn't. When we return, we'll explore how God is more interested in your personal relationship with Jesus than your party affiliation. Hello and welcome to Jesus Changes People, a podcast that seeks to uncover the real Jesus and what it means to be a modern-day follower of Him. Each week, we dive into different parts of Jesus' life and His teachings. Some of it will be familiar, and some of it will be, well, strange. Our goal is to help you to know Jesus better and to become more like Him. My name is Ken Hensley, and I serve as the senior pastor at Mountain View Christian Church in Denver, Colorado, I'm joined today by our online campus pastor and co-host of this podcast, Mike Roncalia.
1: Hey, Ken. Glad to be here with you today. Glad to be back together Mm -hmm. again. Uh, If you were
0: alive in the first century, Ken, would you be a Pharisee or a Sadducee? Mm -hmm. Well, Mike, I I am a bit straight-laced, but I'm probably not starchy enough to be a Pharisee. And I wouldn't want to be a Sadducee either, Mike, because, you know, they are, well, sad, you see. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That <laughs> that feels like a womp womp womp. Mm. <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm guessing that that's uh, from a really bad vacation Bible school song,
0: wasn't it? I think. Th- <laughs> yes, it was. It it scars you for life. It, it's it's kind of like being in a cult.
1: Yeah, I, I feel scarred now as well. <laughs> anyway, I'm wondering is as, as we are talking about this idea. I personally probably wouldn't be a Pharisee or a Sadducee myself. I probably lean more toward the. The Polish beer lovers party. <laughs>
0: well, you know, I have a philosophy. I only drink things I can pronounce. That's probably probably a good rule of thumb, I, yeah. I would guess. Well, you know, at any rate, when, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, it is a big deal. He's one of the top religious leaders in Israel. And as we go through the Gospel of John, it won't take us too long to find out that the religious leaders, Mike, they didn't like Jesus.
1: no. They did not, and it wasn't simply a theological disagreement, though they had um, they had those with Jesus for sure, but much of this opposition was caused by the same thing that still
0: causes divisions today, power. Power. That's really what political or even religious parties want. They want power, and Jesus is gaining popularity, and like popularity, it translates into power.
1: And it's why they begin per- persecuting Jesus. In fact, in just a few chapters, they'll
0: start looking for ways that they're going to try to kill him. Mm -hmm. But there seems to be something different about Nicodemus. He's going to show up three times in the Gospel of John. And each time he shows up, he seems to be more and more aligned with Jesus.
1: So in today's episode of Jesus Changes People, we'll meet this Nicodemus guy, hear his questions, and cover what Martin Luther called the Gospel in Miniature.
0: I really love donuts. When we first moved to Denver, I had to pass a grocery store on my way to work. It became really easy to swing by and leave with two chocolate donuts. Another stop at Starbucks, and I had my second breakfast of the morning. Not all habits are healthy habits. Did you know that there are many great resources to help you develop healthy spiritual habits? Developing the habit of regularly reading your Bible is one of them. Here at Jesus Changes People... We recommend downloading the Uversion Bible app. It's free and has been installed over 500 million times. That's right, 500 million times. You can easily find passages in the Bible and choose from different translations. It's available for both iPhones and Android. You can go to Uversion.com to get started. That's YouVersion.com. During the life of Jesus, the country of Israel was under Roman occupation. This meant they lived under Roman law, paid Roman taxes, and had limited freedoms. Mike, one example of their limited freedoms was the ability to maintain many of their Jewish practices. That's correct, Ken. They were
1: allowed to worship in the temple, they observed feasts and festivals like Passover. And they even had a ruling council to help decide religious matters. That ruling council was the
0: Sanhedrin, which we mentioned earlier. I remember that. The, the Sanhedrin had two basic parties, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. I'm often asked, Ken, what was the difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees? Ken, really, how often do you really get asked that question? You, you know, Mike, not, not often enough. Meaning not at all? Yeah, meaning not, maybe once or twice. Right, right. Years, years. But, but, but it does help us understand today's story. In simple terms, the Sadducees were accommodators and the Pharisees were reformers. The Sadducees were willing to give up parts of their Jewish heritage and practice in order to better fit in with the Greek and Roman cultures. The Pharisees, however, were reformers. They began as a movement to restore Judaism to its purest form.
1: Now, Ken, that's not how we often think about the Pharisees, is it? When Mm -hmm. we talk about them or we use the word Pharisee, we're usually referring to someone that in a negative way,
0: like those people are such Pharisees. Yeah, and it usually means we think they're a bit too legalistic or narrow-minded.
1: So if I was to sort of sum up what you said, what I kind of heard you say was the Sadducees are are more of a blend-in type, and the Pharisees stood out. That's
0: a good way of putting it. And the person that we meet in John 3 is a Pharisee, and his name is Nicodemus. So, Mike, what else do we know about Nicodemus?
1: Well, what we know about Nicodemus was he was a Pharisee. So he's very straight-laced, as you talked about earlier. He also is one of the Jewish leaders. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. And he came to talk to Jesus. But, Mike, he came at night. He did. He came to Jesus at night because of his position. He knew better than to be seen with Jesus during the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, Nicodemus was a good politician. Yeah,
1: he's also a good theologian. He comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him.
0: That is pretty good theology, especially when you consider that Jesus was often accused of having a demon or even being of the devil.
1: Yeah, and those the people accusing him of that, those were the religious people. Yeah,
0: his, his pagan opponents were
1: much nicer. Now, just like Alanis Morris said, isn't that ironic, don't that you think? That is
0: ironic, <laughs> you know? It, it's ironic, and it's very unfortunate. Uh, but but let's get back to Nicodemus.
1: Yeah, Ken, on the one hand, Nicodemus is perceptive. He sees what Jesus is doing and knows God must be behind it.
0: But not all of his theology, though, is good theology.
1: Nope, not at all. In fact, we have to remember he is a Pharisee, and not just an average Pharisee. Since he was appointed to the
0: Sanhedrin, he was probably a really good Pharisee. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, I seem to remember the Apostle Paul, once describing himself as, quote, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. That was Paul's way of saying, Mike, I'm not like those Sadducees. I'm a Pharisee. I did the right thing.
1: Yep, yep. And that's, Ken, that's something that's really interesting because that tells us something about Nicodemus. Because of his religious background, Nicodemus had a certain way of relating
0: to God. He certainly did. Like other Pharisees and honestly, other religious people, Nicodemus thought his relationship with God was simply a matter of doing the right things. So
1: what I hear you saying there is he thought this way. If you do the right things,
0: you'll be a right person, And ta-da! God loves you. Mm -hmm. But as we'll see when we return, Jesus is going to shift the conversation in a way that Nicodemus doesn't expect. In 1844, a young Irishman, Joseph Scriven, finished college with plans to marry his fiancée. The day before their wedding, she was killed when she was thrown from her horse. Scriven then moved to Canada, and he fell in love again, only to experience loss once again. His soon-to-be bride fell ill, and she died just weeks before the wedding. For the second time, this humble Christian felt the loss of the woman he loved. The following year, he wrote a poem and mailed it to his mother back in Ireland. In the poem, he described the deep friendship. He had developed with Jesus as a result of his hardships. The poem was published anonymously under the title, Pray Without Ceasing. Ten years later, he acknowledged this well-loved poem had actually been written by him and his friend, Jesus. In 1868, an attorney, Charles Converse, set the poem to music and he renamed it, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. So, Ken, how old were you when Jimmy Carter ran for president? Well, Mike, contrary to popular opinion, I wasn't old enough to vote in 1976. I would have been all of four days shy of my seventh birthday when Jimmy Carter defeated Gerald Ford. But, Mike, I'm assuming that you hadn't been born yet. Actually, Ken, I
1: had, but I was only within my first week of life. Ah, not old enough to vote either. Nope, nope, not,
0: but I was living the dream. Let me tell you, all I did was eat and sleep. Mm, living the dream. I, I know some people, people like that who are much older than one week old. <laughs> but as fascinating as this is, I'm sure there's a reason you bring up Jimmy Carter.
1: There actually is. You might remember that Jimmy Carter was the governor of Georgia. He was a peanut farmer, but he was also a Baptist. A born-again Sunday school teaching Baptist, to be exact. I do remember hearing about that when I got older. It was a really big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was. Born-again wasn't a term that was used in politics very much, or even in some churches, for that matter. Carter described being born-again as having a close, personal, intimate relationship with
0: God through Christ. That's a pretty good definition of being born-again. It's also the topic that Jesus turns to in his conversation with Nicodemus. He does, he does. Nicodemus
1: wants to talk about miracles, but Jesus doesn't. He says to Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Isn't that a bit rude to change the topic
0: like that? Well, I don't think Jesus is being rude. I do think he's being efficient. Remember, this conversation is happening at night. Jesus wants to get right to the point. And the point is not about the miracles. But how does a person relate to God? I I think Nicodemus missed the point. He certainly does. Like many good Pharisees, both
1: now and then, Nicodemus thinks in literal terms, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born again.
0: You know, that reminds me of a line from Austin Powers. Oh, no. when, when Mike Myers says to many me, get in my belly. Yep.
1: Get in my belly. Yeah. I love Mike Myers, one of my favorite. But, but I was thinking, Ken, you, I mean, as much as I like Mike Myers, I was thinking that you might have referenced something from the Bible. Well, Mike, we should probably talk about your expectations. Well, I mean, we kind of are in a way. We are, we are talking about expectations. I mean, Nicodemus had certain expectations
0: about how a person related to God. Exactly. That, that's one reason why Jesus says to Nicodemus, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. In other words, human effort only leads to human results. And I really love
1: those words. And, and human effort won't bring about spiritual rebirth. It just won't. It takes
0: the Holy Spirit. Yes, it does. And, and it means that we can't transform ourselves by, Mike, simply working harder. Or, can, for that matter, working smarter. Or by working harder and smarter. <laughs> Jesus is trying to help Nicodemus understand this basic truth. It's not about willpower, but God's power. And this, this, this,
1: what we're talking about here is a lesson we still need to be reminded of today. For over 65 years, Compassion International has been serving children in Jesus' name, With over 8,000 church partners around the world, Compassion is currently sponsoring nearly 2 million children each year. But what exactly does sponsoring a child mean? For a child living in poverty, it means an opportunity to attend or to stay in school. It also means having access to medical care and healthy food. Compassion partners with local churches to provide safe environments for learning and mentoring. And finally, most importantly, every child sponsored through Compassion has the opportunity to hear the life-changing message of Jesus. To learn more about Compassion, visit Compassion.com. That's Compassion.com.
0: Mike, do you think that Nicodemus was a smart guy? Oh, I definitely do. Well, Jesus did too. In fact, it's why at one point he asked Nicodemus, you are Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? Ooh, boom, roasted, ouch. (laughs) Well done, Michael. But, but, But let's look a little deeper at what Nicodemus did not understand. Jesus will make two references to Jewish history. Mike, these are two things that Nicodemus should have understood. Right, right. The first
1: thing has to do with Moses lifting up a snake
0: in the desert, and that's the story many people may not be familiar with. Probably not. It comes from Numbers chapter 21, and is referring to when the Israelites were wandering in the, in the wilderness, and they didn't like it. In fact, they say to Moses, why have you brought us out of Egypt? To die in the wilderness. I love the veggie tales, the the
1: children's cartoons portrayal of this, when they were really upset about not being in Egypt anymore, and they're like, you
0: know, (laughs) back in Egypt, we had water parks and ice cream. Yeah, water parks and ice cream. (laughs) That's the story. But, But this attitude doesn't sit well with God. In fact, he sends venomous snakes among them. And the text tells us that many of them died. And Mike, that got their attention.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, it did. They go to Moses and they say, we sinned, we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us,
0: please. (laughs) But God doesn't take the snakes away. Instead, what he has Moses do is make a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake, if they looked at the bronze snake, they lived. And that's
1: why Jesus says to Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life
0: in him. And I believe it's not incidental that God had the Israelites look to a bronze snake Mm. as their salvation. It reminded them of what was causing their destruction. Mm. But it also pointed to his willingness to be gracious. Yep,
1: and God does more than show them their sin. He provides a way for them to be saved from their
0: sin. Well, that's the first reference that Jesus makes to Jewish history. And it's found in verse 15. Mike, guess which verse is next? Now, you're talking
1: about John 3.15, so I'm trying to guess what John 3.16 is. Yeah, that's John,
0: what's after John 3.15? 3.16, that's too easy. Well, it, it, it is too easy, <laughs> and it wasn't even a trick question. But, <laughs> but what many people may not know is the backstory to John 3.16. Mike, how would a religious leader like Nicodemus hear the phrase, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son? So,
1: I mean, immediately what comes to my mind is, is it's likely that they would have remembered another father and son story from Jewish history. And that's the story of Abraham being
0: asked to sacrifice Isaac. But Isaac wasn't Abraham's only son. No, he wasn't. But he was the son of promise. Oh, right, yeah. The son through whom Abraham would be blessed with many descendants. And God, he spared Isaac by providing a ram in the thicket. So those are two
1: very interesting stories. In the first one, God saves the Israelites even though they had turned against him. And in the second one, the Abraham and Isaac story, God will offer his only son as the sacrifice
0: for sins. And Jesus seems to be asking Nicodemus, Do you believe this? Do you believe God would do this? For God so
1: loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life.
0: Each week, Mike and I try to answer one of your questions or respond to one of your comments. You can send your questions or comments to podcast at mtnvw.org. And one of them, well, might end up on a podcast.
1: Just like like today. Yeah, just like today. Yay. So, Ken, this week our question has to do with a bit of church history. So this is a little bit different of a question. Hmm.
0: It asks, what is the Apostles' Creed? Well, Mike, first it's important to distinguish between the Apostles' Creed and Apollo Creed. <laughs> you see, Apollo Creed, he, he boxed against Rocky Balboa. Yes, I
1: remember very much. The, the Apostles' yo, Creed,
0: that's something a lot different. Right, yo, Adrian. <laughs> yeah, the Apostles' Creed is not Apollo Creed. Right. You know, the Apostles' Creed is something that actually has been recited in churches for well over 1,000 years. Hmm. It was likely written during the last part of the second century, and ironically, not by one of the apostles. Hmm. But as the church was beginning to splinter, the Apostles' Creed was an attempt to identify what these different groups might still hold in common.
1: So it was sort of like an affirmation of faith.
0: Exactly. And in fact, people who recite the Apostles' Creed today, they may say the same version that, that I recite every morning. It goes like this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen indeed. Coming up on the next episode of Jesus Changes People, we're going to return to a man who, like Jake and Elwood from the Blues Brothers, was on a mission from God. His way of thinking might seem backwards, even un-American. Instead of practicing upward mobility, he chose the path of downward mobility. His name is John the Baptist, the guy in camel hair. And he said of Jesus, he must become greater, I must become less. Thank you for listening to Jesus
1: Changes People a podcast that seeks to uncover the real Jesus and what it means to be a modern-day follower of Him. Our goal is to help you know Jesus better and to become more like Him. If you would like to connect with us, you may do so by leaving comments or questions wherever you listen to this podcast. Help us spread the message by leaving us a review. And if you'd like to communicate by email, you may send us a message at podcast at mtnvw.org. That is podcast at mtnvw.org. Thanks again and have a great week.
0: The first version of the Bible that I recall using was the King James Version. It's the one with the these and the thous and the thou shalt not. Although I switched, Mike, to the new international version in the 1980s, I still find that I recall certain verses in the king's English.
1: Yeah, I do too. They just get stuck. We had that problem earlier talking about John 3.16. There's also the Lord's Prayer that sounds something like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
0: Well done. But Mike, I I think there's actually more to the prayer than that. Uh, There is, Ken, but I I don't want to show off. Ye- yes, it was. It, it scars you for life. It's it, it's kind of like being in a cult. Personally, I probably wouldn't have been
1: either one myself. I'm going to do that over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's slap <stop>, this. His religious background and, and where... <laughs> in 1984.
0: 1984? <Man. laughs> what happened in 1984? In 16... Oh... <laughs> so close 1868 18. I wasn't old enough to vote in 17, 17, 17 wow the dates are killing us today
1: <laughs> a born again Sunday school oh man <laughs> there's no dates in that one well no I tell <laughs> that's why Jesus says to Nicodemus just as Moses lifted up the snake and <laughs> I, I think I messed up the script <laughs> you left early. How can a man be born when he is old? Surely he can't enter in... A... <laughs> Close. Close. I was thinking that you might have referenced, though, Ken, something from the Bible, not Mike Myers.
0: Mike, <laughs> we, should, we should talk about your expectations. Well, well,
1: we kind of are in a way. We are talking about expectations. Expect-
0: <laughs> <laughs> and one of them, well, it just might end up on a podcast. Like today. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I did leave that off. Each week, Mike and I will try to answer one of your questions or respond to one of your qu- comments. <laughs> Quaments. Music. Music. <laughs>